jewishaudio.org. Good morning. Today's Torah portion, the sixth portion of the portion of Kiketze, chapter 24, verse 5. Again, this portion just goes from law to law, telling us many, many different laws. And the following law in verse 5 is, Ki yikach ish, isha chadosha. When a man marries a new wife, lo yetze batsova, being that the marriage is new, he took a new wife, he's exempt from military service, he doesn't, he's not drafted into the army. Nor shall he be put in charge, shall he be harnessed with any military responsibility. For example, sometimes a person is exempt from the army, but they put him in the National Guard. They make him work for the benefit and welfare of the civil society. In this case, not even that. Noki. He shall be free to spend time with his household or with his wife. For one year. During the first year, the groom is called a king and the bride is called a queen. And it's not appropriate during that first year that he be drafted into the army. In fact, on the lighter side, the question is asked, how long is a groom referred to as a king? How long is a, is a groom a king? The answer is as long as he treats his wife, as long as he treats his bride like a queen. Once he stops treating his bride like a queen, he's not a king anymore. So that's on the lighter side. But the Torah says, He shall be free to devote himself to his house, to his wife. Shono echas one year. Vesimach es ishtay, and he shall bring joy to his wife, Asher Lokach, whom he has taken as a new wife. Rashi, Isha Chadosh, a new wife, it doesn't necessarily mean that she has to be new to the arena of being a wife, meaning she doesn't have to be a virgin in order to exempt him from military duty, but she Chadosh Aleh. She could even be new to him. Even if she's a widow. Even if she's a divorcee. Prat, the exception would be, We learned yesterday about the idea of a man divorcing his wife and then the mitzvah that there is, if he's not a Kohen, to remarry her. So the guy could say, hey, military duty is coming up. I'm going to divorce my wife and then I'll remarry her. I'll have a year. It doesn't work that way. When one remarries his own wife, this thing doesn't kick in. With any military responsibility. Anything. Anything that is military related. He doesn't have to provide water and food. He doesn't have to work in the kitchen. He doesn't have to repair the roads, the infrastructure. Avil, but in the section where we learn about the Sigan Kohen, the military chaplain, 
who stands up and he says, Who is the man who betrothed the woman and never, uh, ne- never made the marriage happen? Who is the man who planted a vineyard, who built a house? Those go back, go back home. Those people, Al-Pikohen by the Kohen, by the chaplain, Someone who built a house but did not dedicate it, didn't get to live in it. A Eiras Isha or betrothed a wife but didn't fully marry her. Must speak in Mayan These exemptions, they can go home. They're exempt from the front lines, but they're obligated to support the military infrastructure by providing water and food. Or and repair the roads. Even because of his house. Meaning, Rashi says, that this also teaches us that this does not only apply to someone who marries a new wife, but in Bonabayis Vachanoche, if he built a house and he dedicated it, and then tomorrow he's being drafted, if he planted a vineyard, and he began to eat of its fruit, but the next day he receives his draft notice. He doesn't have to leave his house and enter into military service. He has a year. The word yia includes a vineyard. Lebeso includes a house. He built a new house. There's two ways to interpret this. One is that he shall rejoice with his wife. They should have a year of partying. That's not the interpretation. The interpretation is v'simach yisamach He should make his wife happy. We're not too concerned with his happiness. The obligation of a husband is not to be happy. The obligation of the husband is to make the wife happy. Yisamach He shall make the wife happy. He shall make his wife to rejoice. Those who translate this, that he shall rejoice with his wife, tell you who, that's not what the verse means. It's not the proper interpretation, translation. Ella, if the Torah meant he should party for a year, it would say, Vesimach is to make his wife happy. And there's a lot more to this than grammar, and that is that the primary obligation of a Jewish husband is to see to it that his wife is happy. If his wife is happy, and his children are happy, and his family is happy, chances are he'll be happy as well. There's quite a bit of Balhaturim here. We'll just quickly do a, a little bit of it. The Balhaturim says, using the words, Noki or Lechol Dover and Noki, that a person should be clean, so to speak, free, of every responsibility. The word naki means clean. That a person's language should be refined. A person should speak in a clean way. Naki means clean. Dovar means speech. Everyone knows what marriage is all about, but we don't have to spell it out. So that we need modesty in life when we refer to the issues of intimacy. Another interpretation, that when a person takes on a household, which means when a person marries, he becomes clean and pure because when a person 
When a man marries, all of his sins are forgiven. That's why a chatan, a groom, wears a kittel, the Yom Kippur coat at his chuppah, because it's his own Yom Kippur, he's forgiven. Marriage is one of those things that bring forgiveness. Says the Balaturim something fantastic. Noki yiye lebeso shono. Says the Balaturim, look at the last letter of those four words. Noki yiye lebeso shono. Yud and hey and vav and hey, Hashem's name. That the whole idea of marriage is a godly endeavor. And if people act inappropriately in marriage, then God sees that as well. Another fantastic Balaturim. The word visimach comes to Shin Memches is 348 plus Vov is 6 is 3. Fifty-four. Anyway, the Balaturim says that intimacy can be engaged in every night of the year with the exception of Yom Kippur when intimacy is forbidden. Furthermore, the Balaturim says that the verse begins with Kiyikach, and ends with lokach, which means taking a wife, that even if a man took a wife in his youth, if God forbid he no longer is married, his wife died or whatever, then he is obligated again to marry in his older years. The Torah wants a person, a man, not to be alone. Those are some of the many interpretations in verse 5. Verse 6, going now, segueing now to another law, when a person makes a loan to another person, the Torah does not expect that person to lose his money. So we need security. Can we get security for a loan? Yes. There are various ways to get security. Once, one way is at the loan. At the beginning of the loan, you take security. Another is when the loan gets into trouble, you come to the Bezdin, and the Bezdin comes and says, Yes, you're entitled to security. You go to the guy's house, and you're entitled to take whatever you want. (coughs) So the verse now says there is a limit to that. One cannot take as security or as a pledge. The upper or lower millstone. Meaning, that which provides food to the household, that which provides money, that which provides a living, Because if the creditor is going to take that tool which provides a living, then the economy in that house is only going to go from bad to worse. So we don't want to do that. So the Torah says, a pledge, yes. Collateral, yes. Security, yes. Not that which the guy uses to earn his living or not that which brings food to his house. Rashi, if he comes, good morning, to take a pledge for his debt in court, he should not make a pledge or not give him a pledge of the things with which food is prepared, literally, or that which earns money to buy food. 
Rechayim hi atachtoinetz, the lower stone, Barechavi alyon is the upper stone. Next halacha, kidnapping. Kiyemot ish, if a man will be discovered, go neb nepesh meyecha b'bnei Yisrael. He's stealing a fellow Jew, kidnapping a fellow Jew. Vis'amer bey, and then he deals deceitfully with him and enslaves him. Umachore, and sells him human slave trade. Kidnap people, and they sell them as slaves. It's a good living, but it's a terrible sin. So the halacha says, provided that there are witnesses who warn and see this happen, umais haganabahu, the kidnapper, can be put to death. It's a terrible thing. And you will remove that which is evil from your midst. Whenever there is capital punishment applied, it has to be with witnesses who warn him and say, do you know that this can result in prosecution of capital punishment? Whenever it says be found, who finds him? Witnesses who also warn him. He has to use him as a slave. There's a lot of technicalities in Torah, and this is one of those technicalities. Next halacha. He shomer benega hatzaras. There are so many laws of leprosy. This is leprosy. This isn't leprosy. If the hair grows this way, it's leprosy. If it's this color, it's not. So the guy's going to say, hey, before I go to the Kohen, I'll pull out the hair. What's the big deal? It's not a problem. I'll dye the hair. I know what the requirement is. I learned Chumash too. I'll, I'll, I'll make it work. So this is this mitzvah. You have to guard when it comes to the detailed application of the plague of leprosy, lishmer to be very cautious. Not to fool around. Everything that the Kohanim, the Levites, will teach you in the leprosy laws, as I commanded them, says you must observe to do. Rashi, simply speaking, you should not uproot, remove the signs of impurity. It says if there's a bright spot and it becomes brighter, it's not, uh, it's impure. So you cut off the bright spot. Doesn't work. Not kosher. Whether the when the Kohen says quarantine, you have to quarantine. The Torah says wait, you have to wait. Torah says pure, it's pure. You have to follow the rules because if you don't follow the rules, then nothing works. Next mitzvah. Zocher, or actually, this is a continuation of this mitzvah. There are actually six remembrances. There are six places, six mitzvahs, six things which the Torah tells us we have to verbally mention every single day. This is one of them. Remember what God, your God, did to Miriam. Miriam is the sister of Moshe and Aaron, who together with Aaron spoke badly about Moshe. Loshen Hora, and she was punished. She was smitten with leprosy. Remember what God did to Miriam on the, on the, on the road. As you were coming out of Egypt where she was smitten with leprosy. Remember, do not engage in Lashon Hora 
because the punishment for Lashon Hara, for gossip, is leprosy. And this is one of the six remembrances, which, again, we verbally mention every single day. Chaim, pass me a sitter, please. Rashi Zohar Eis Asher Osa Hashem Alekecha Lemiriam Im Bosli Zohar Shalei Stilka B'Tzaras If you're going to be careful that you're not be smitten with leprosy, if you're concerned, Al Tesaper Loshen Hora. Do not engage in Loshen Hora. Do not engage in gossip. Zohar HaOsi Lemiriam. Remember what happened to Miriam. Shedibra Biachia, who spoke against her brother, Veloksa Benegoyim, and was smitten with plagues of leprosy. Very quickly, the six remembrances, which can be found in the New Chabad Siddur, page 84. Remember the day of your exodus, the day you came out of Egypt, which means we have to verbally mention the exodus from Egypt. Remember the scene at Mount Sinai, revelation at Mount Sinai. Remember what Amalek did to you which is part of this week's portion. Remember how you angered God in the desert. Remember what God did to Miriam on the way out of Egypt. This is what we just learned. And remember the day of Shabbos to keep it holy. Those are the six remembrances. I think they left out, uh, remember the, the, the Alamo, I think. Okay. Something like that. Now, verse 10, Kisashe vireyacha, mashas meumo. When you come and you've lent your fellow any manner of loan and the loan runs into trouble and you want security, you want a pledge, do not enter into his house. Because he owes you money, you kick open his door and you say, you owe me money, I'm here to take anything, and you take whatever it is you want to take. You can't violate his privacy. You can't enter his house forcibly. Today, in, in today's world, they have laws when collection agencies, when credit cards, when banks can call your house, when they can't call your house, what day, what time, what they can do, what they can't do. This is one of those laws. You'll lend your neighbor. Any kind of encumbrance. But what should you do? You're entitled to have a pledge. Assuming that the guy has a big screen TV that he spent $2,000 on buying, why shouldn't you take the big screen TV as a pledge? He can live without it. Well, in today's world, I don't know if you can live without it. It's like the upper millstone. So he says, you got to stand outside. And the man whom you lent the money, the guy you're collecting from, he should bring out to you the pledge, to his porch. Now, that's if the guy is a wealthy man. So you take silver, you take gold, you take candlesticks. There's a lot of good stuff in a person's house. But twelve, if he's a poor man, and you take his pajamas, you take his pillow, 
his blanket. Do not sleep with his pledge. Because he needs it. Rashi, don't sleep with his pledge with you. But what are you going to do? He owes you money. You take his pajamas in the morning and you bring it back at night. It's a full-time job. You have to return the pledge. When the sun is about to set, that's if you took pajamas. What if you took his daytime clothes? you got to bring back his daytime clothes in the morning. You're entitled to take a pledge, but he's entitled to live. It always reminds me, it's the funniest story. Every single Pesach, years ago, people would come to me and say, Rabbi, people I never saw in my life, Rabbi, you have a Haggadah? I said, sure. He says, lend me your Haggadah. I'll give it back to you right after Passover. <laughs> like, if I have a Haggadah, I have it for Passover. No? <laughs> I'll give it back to you right after Passover. You know, from then and on, I, from that time, I bought extra Haggadahs. That's fine. It's a pleasure. But it's interesting, you know. That's like the, <laughs> the guy has to bring the pajamas back every night. Verse 13, You must surely return his pledge when the sun is setting so that he can sleep with his pajamas, with his night garment. And he will bless you. And he'll say, you know this guy, I owe him money. It's true. He came and took a pledge. He's entitled to it, but he's a mensch. He returns it to me at night so I can sleep with a blanket, with a pillow, with pajamas. And Hashem will consider this as a charitable, righteous deed on your part. This will be considered charity, a righteous deed. Before Hashem, your God. Rashi, Kivo Hashem, Rashi defines this. You have to return it before the night comes if it's a night garment. But if it's a day garment, you're taking his winter coat. You've got to return it early in the morning so you can go to work. By the time the sun goes down, you have to return it. Depends what garment it is. You have to take it in the 12-hour period that he's not using it. And he's going to bless you. Because you're a mensch. What if he doesn't bless you? Because he's a miserable person. God will bless you. You're doing the right thing, whether he appreciates it or he doesn't appreciate it. In Hashem's book, so to speak, it is the right thing because Hashem told you to do this and, and therefore it's all good. And the Balaturim here says that one of the lessons, we learned this earlier, of the juxtaposition of leprosy and loans and lending people stuff is that sometimes when a person repeatedly refuses his neighbor to lend him this and that and the other. I don't have, I don't have, I don't have. When he gets house leprosy, suddenly he has to bring all of his possessions out, and it's very embarrassing because he has, he has, he has. So that's the connection between loans and leprosy. Okay, end of Chumash portion.